You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And, you know, if we... We've been doing a lot of uh, looking in that rearview mirror lately as we're counting down to 365. And, you know, part of the beauty of looking back is, you know, not only appreciating, you know, all that we've, you know, kind of accomplished as everyone in this space has, but also just looking at the the shifts, the shifts in, you know, what we focused on, the things that were most important, um, and then looking at the space, right? How has the space evolved? And uh, and there's been some interesting developments in the NFT space in the last 24, 36 hours. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about them and why I think, um, first of all, one of them uh, makes me feel like I am, uh, I actually can call myself a futurist because one of my like bold predictions uh, came true on one of my favorite uh, NFT projects. And uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then another one, uh, the last thing I thought I'd be kind of talking about right now in this current market was a, a, a tool uh, or let's just say a marketplace aggregator um, that actually I think uh, is doing it the right way. Uh, I feel like we've had uh, an onslaught of tools and I don't really felt like I needed another tool. And so when I don't feel like I need a tool and then a tool kind of comes out of nowhere and uh, surprises and delights me, uh, I think that there's something like I look at this at a much bigger like macro level on like where we're at as a space. And so with that being said, you know, like jumping into, you know, if if you're on the Twitters uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of funny during a bear market, uh, we'll take any excuse to either get excited about something, debate something or freak out about something. That's kind of where we're at right now in this current, uh, you know, uh, eco, you know, ecosphere as far as the, you know, the entire, uh, you know, NFT space as a whole. But um, with that being said, you know, I think one of the things that I think is most interesting about where we're at right now, like in this exact moment, is that, you know, it's a, a lot of what we're building towards is this idea of kind of sustainability. And I'm just going to put it out there. Sustainability is like the least sexiest time of an early adoption curve, right? I think, you know, when we think about early adoption curves and, and kind of how this whole journey kind of goes on, you know, one of the things that I think of is that, you know, we get excited about, you know, discovering something new. We get excited about onboarding new people. We get excited about, you know, new tech, new use cases, you know, we had, you know, everything from, you know, pre-mint being launched to, uh, you know, grinding the discords to free mints to all these different, you know, trends. But, you know, right now, I think a lot of what we're, we're kind of figuring out is that for us to be, you know, in this space long term, one of the things that we have to really focus on is sustainability. And uh, that sustainability is not only is it not sexy, but it's not for everyone. And so if we go back into the Wayback Machine of NFT 365, how many people remember when I talked about, you know, I think real leadership of these NFT projects, one of the things that we're going to see is that we're going to see the need for some project founders and some projects to be able to check their ego at the door and recognize that for the community that they built, that they nurtured, that they cared about to move forward, the best thing might be for them to step out of the way. 
Now, I think this is a, um, a, a very difficult thing for all of us to do, right? Because these are, in many cases, these are our babies, right? The idea of building something, nurturing it, kind of building, you know, kind of, it's kind of taking on its you know, life of your own. You're spending 24-7, you know, kind of involved in it. But I've said for a while that, you know, if you look at, you know, a lot of the great businesses that are out there today, a lot of them had, you know, a startup founder that built the, the startup, but eventually the startup founder takes on a different role because there needs to be somebody to go from, you know, growing the the product in the company to now turning the product, you know, product and company into uh, a profitable business, right? Whatever that may be. You know, there are a lot of startup founders that what their strength is, is their strength is, you know, that early growth, right? Getting that initial funding and, and, and kind of uh, building that momentum. But then they are not great at hiring people. They're not great at, you know, community or crisis management or human resources or whatever that may be. And I feel like the, uh, you know, I made this statement, it must have been four months ago or so, that I feel like this space really needed it. And as many of you know, you know, the project that gave me my aha moment of NFTs was a little project known as Crypto Dads. And Crypto Dads, not only as a proud girl dad, but it was, it was, there was a ton of hype around the project. It launched uh, about a, about 13 months ago. Um, it was actually probably 14 months ago now. Uh, and, you know, it was over the summer of 2021. It was, for me, it was like a project that I finally knew enough about NFTs to be prepared for it. Now, <laughs> with that being said... I wasn't prepared enough to put enough uh, ETH in my wallet to cover gas, which is a whole story I've shared before, right? Where where I went to, I got all excited for the Crypto Dad project to, to roll out. But then when I went to mint it, uh, I believe at the time I needed like $218 uh, in gas. Uh, and I only had like $178 uh, extra in my wallet, right? And so anyone that's worried, anyone that's complaining about gas prices today, uh, I just challenge you, go back and look at some of the NFTs that people bought last summer. Uh, it'll it's, it'll 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 make us feel a lot better about like a $65 gas fee. Um, but I, I know right now where I'm like, man, I can't believe Guai is at 44. But back then, like Guai at 118 was like a steal. It was like, whew, man, we got Guai down at 118 and, and you know, where where we were at at the time. But um, the news came out that Crypto Dads, um, you know, and they've had a kind of a shift in uh, the original founders and owners uh, a while back, kind of, uh, they changed a little bit of their roles uh, probably about six months ago. But uh, they announced yesterday that uh, four or five members of the community are going to move into a leadership role. And one of the founders who's kind of the uh, the last man standing as far as, um, you know, been running the project uh, is going to step back. They're going to still have 5% stake in, in the project, but they're going to take a step back. And I, and I just want to tip my hat to, well, first of all, it's a project that I love. It's a community that I feel is really, you know, like they've been working on a beer. They have, you know, and a really strong, you know, they, they're the first project that I ever saw do a podcast um, for their community by their community, right? It wasn't the founders of the project. Um, it was, you know, it, and I'll just tell you, like I, it was one of those projects that, you know, for me, you know, I'll, if, if I had to like go back and look at things like the, the thing that, you know, the reason that crypto dads didn't probably take off as, as much as it probably should have, uh, you know, like, you know, where it was become, became a household name, um, was because they had a, a massive high number of individual owners and 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 it's funny because back then i don't think many of us really understood uh how how that's going to kind of change how people look at this entire space right and and 
you know, one of the things, if you look at secondary volume, look at things, uh, you know, it's it's very difficult for projects that don't have a lot of, uh, you know, if you don't have a lot of secondary volume, it makes it hard for uh, the project to kind of make it on a lot of the charts, a lot of the things that people are looking at. But uh, it's a project that I've just, you know, been very passionate about. I love uh, the art. I, I think the where what they were building initially was, uh, you know, kind of spot on. And so Anthony, um, who was uh, kind of the person running the show uh, recently, said, uh, you know, he kind of put out a tweet, uh, and we'll put a link to the tweet here in the show notes. But, uh, you know, he, he pretty much came out, and I, I thought it was a very nice uh, Twitter thread uh, that, you know, he had decided that, uh, you know, to move the project along, uh, we have accomplished a lot along the way, but we understand that we needed uh, in the beginning and even now may not be what we need to truly allow the brand and the project uh, to reach the next level. So quoting you know, his tweet, so in respect to our community, this brand and ourselves, we have decided to allow new leadership ownership team with an extremely strong vision, positive attitude and fresh energy to come in and really get this baby moving. Now, I will just tell you, like this is this to me is a sign of uh, you know Anthony. I I have more respect for Anthony now than I, I can put into words, right? I think um, that that there is something just really beautiful about uh, you know people that are willing to kind of put uh, you know the mission, the vision, uh, you know before their own kind of pride, right? And 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 the and the interesting thing about it is like I I think for all of us have to. We have to ask ourselves, like, would we be willing to do that, right? I don't, I don't know if many of us would, and I say myself included, right? Because there is something to be said about, you know, like, I built this, and I care about it, and this is what I, you know, my vision. But the beautiful thing about NFTs is that shared ownership, right? And, you know, this community, you know, they not only have, you know, a beer line, and they they have a, a poker app, and they have a, the stake coin, and they, they have a lot of things that they've built over the year. But one of the things that I, I feel like, you know, that project and a lot of projects from that time can really use is kind of like that, like, okay, let's go, you know, let's go full board ahead, right? And a lot of that times that just takes, uh, you know, a fresh perspective. And so, you know, I, I think if we look uh, at the, you know, bigger picture of what this, I think, means for the space, I think we have to look at other projects and and ask ourselves, and it doesn't mean that the founders have to completely step down, right? I think the founders bringing in maybe a new COO or maybe uh, a new, you know, communications manager or whatever that may be. I think, I think it's something that you know every project should probably evaluate right now, right? And 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 I know for many people that are listening, you might not be a founder of a project, but here's here's a space where I I've said this before. I believe a lot of people don't have to create their own project from scratch to take a leadership role in existing projects that they love and move that forward and do bigger and better things. I mean, like, if we look at the space right now, there are a lot of amazing communities and projects that are kind of dormant and that are kind of stale, but they've already, they ha you know, they have a lot of things going for them that starting something from scratch in, in kind of like the same realm or the same vision or the same purpose I think is just a, a mistake that we could we will make. And so, you know, if you're really passionate about one of your favorite projects, or you know, you know, I would definitely recommend you know volunteer for a social council, right? If they don't have a social council, put it up there and say, hey, I would love to suggest a social council to help this project move forward. And I'll tell you, that's what Crypto Dad Crypto Dads did. And I know a lot of the people that have taken over this new leadership role on this team came from that council right where they were pushing things forward they were um you know and and 
the other part of this is, you know, for me, it's it's a pretty cool sign when I when I saw that the Crypto Dads had announced uh, the new leadership. The first thing I did was, okay, who are the people that are leading? And I will just say, um, I personally have not been. Uh, hyper involved in the project on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's a project that uh, I've never once listed my crypto dad uh, because it's a project that I, I love and hold dearly. Uh, it's also one that you know on the one-year anniversary, I spent a lot of time um, in their in their Twitter spaces, in the in the you know in the community, you know asking some questions, getting to know what what everyone was doing in there. And I'll just say, you know, of the of the five people that have kind of taken on this uh, new role, you know, they are all day one holders of crypto dads. I mean, that is a pretty cool concept, right? And I said this before, and I, and I think when we, we don't value people that were day one holders enough in projects. And, you know, this is maybe a, a hill that I will eventually die on. Um, but um, the the idea that, you know, if someone has been ride or die and, and was there on day one and has been building and, and, and involved and active, like there are such a great you know, impact. There are a lot of great things that can be done um, with people that kind of are in, uh, you know, that role from the start, right? And I think that is something that we should throw out more often. It's something that we should, you know, kind of lean into, uh, you know, as we kind of, uh, you know, continue to look at, you know, projects that are, you know, really powerful in their in their bigger pieces of, you know, what's possible. And so for me, um, one of the things that I, I think we need to look at when, when we're looking at, you know, some of these projects are that, you know, what are the fundamentals? What are the core, you know, technology that has been implemented? And then what can we leverage on that, right? Because it's different. There's one, it's one thing from just trying to take a group of people that are already brought together. And then there's another thing is saying, hey, I, I know the fundamental core values of this group is strong. They just need new leadership. Now, I put out this tweet this morning as well that, you know, I, I think the thing that is missing the most in Web3 and NFTs is leadership and accountability. Like leadership and accountability, I believe, are, are what we're, we're most missing in this space. I mean, some of the, 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 the people that are looked up to in this space um, act like 12-year-old boys and it's embarrassing. Uh, they want to fight each other on Twitter spaces. They tell people to shut up and get down and like they're acting like they're like puffing their check chest out. And it that to me is just kind of sad and pathetic. Um, I don't, I for one don't really um stand for that crap. Like I, I am 41 years old. Uh, I am very, you know, proud of this arena. I am one that will hold people accountable. I am one that loves to have fun and enjoys, you know, uh, you know, active debates with people that are willing to see both sides of a of a conversation. But this space definitely needs. Uh, you know, real true leadership and leadership in all realms, right? Leadership from the front, leadership from the back, and then also leadership in the sense of, you know, new and fresh blood that can kind of come in uh, into the space as a whole. So with that being said on this idea of like what new strategy and, uh, you know, how we have to think differently, you know, moving forward, that actually also plays into the other news that kind of dropped in the last 36 hours. And that is the, there is a new, uh, you know, aggregator marketplace called Blur.io. So B-L-U-R.io. And if you're listening to this in the within the 14 days of of uh, of the podcast dropping, if you go over there and you connect your wallet to the Blur.io portfolio, uh, as long as you have one ETH worth of trade volume or buying and selling volume in the last six months on OpenSea 
you're eligible for an airdrop where you can claim a, uh, an airdrop that will um, will eventually give you um, some tokens that will be uh, dropped to us in January of next year. But that was kind of what people were focusing on. Like, okay, here we go. We're back to another airdrop, just like we had um, you know, last fall. And, you know, and airdrops can be really valuable for uh, infusing liquidity into this space. But I will just tell you, uh, I, I said this on the kind of intro, I did not I not feel like I needed another tool. Like I am, uh, I'm one that is like, I think there's more fools with tools than there is anything else, right? Like, I mean, tools for the most part, especially automation, um, I, I believe automation isn't a bad thing. I think there's a lot of people that use automation incorrectly and, you know, badly. I think there's a lot of tools that have a lot of, you know, um, a lot of data, a lot of information, you know, a lot of options, but they haven't really built them in a way that I feel like, you know, are a one-stop shop for everyone. But I'm going to tell you, this Blur.io, I've, I've only been playing with it now for, I'm going to say, it's been 24 hours, but I probably only put, you know, two or three hours into the platform. But one of the things that it did, and, and I think, I don't even really care about the platform itself from the, this conversation. What I care about is, like, what can we learn about the needs of today's NFT holder? And how can that, you know, how can that impact us as holders? Um, as well as project founders, as well as, you know, investors. And I will tell you, this is the first tool that I feel was built for both the the day trader that is buying and selling NFTs, but also the person that is listing NFTs, the person that is buying NFTs, and also the person that wants to go a layer down. Now, you might be asking, well, Brian, what does this tool do that you know, others don't? And, and just to be clear, this tool can be a little bit overwhelming from a... Um, from a like analytics perspective. And I think I, I really enjoyed the founder, uh, Pac-Man. Uh, he was on a Twitter space yesterday with uh, Zeneca. And I really appreciated his view on like, you know, opens, he looked at OpenSea kind of like a Coinbase, right? Where, you know, if you are, you know, using Coinbase as your exchange, it has enough data and information for you to do just about everything. But if you went from between Coinbase and FTX, like FTX allows you to do a lot different, you know, a whole deeper level of buying, selling, trading, um, you know, even how you're staking things. You know, um, you can do automated buys. You can do, um, you know, cost benefit analysis. You can buy up and buy down. So FTX is kind of like that advanced version uh, of exchange buying and selling of crypto. And I would argue that's what Blur is kind of becoming or is looking to become uh, in the NFT space. And I will say one of the things that I really love about it is that I think for all of us, you know, part of what we we always like to know is like, you know, there's a difference between owning an NFT that we think is rare and owning an NFT that has a property floor that is valuable. And, and what I mean by that is like if you have a, a property in your NFT that people want, what is like the floor of that? So like, and how, and how we would determine that on OpenSea was about three clicks and you would kind of get an idea of what was currently for sale based on a certain trait. What Blur has done, which I actually love, is I can actually, I have it open right now in my wallet. And so I'm looking at the NFT. We, we minted uh, the Outcasts NFT uh, yesterday. And so what I can do is I can look at the traits of my outcasts NFT and I can say, okay, what is the most rare trait of my NFT? Okay, well that most rare, tra rare trait apparently are the skull green glasses. 
And so what I can do is I can click on that and I can see what other NFTs uh, in the collection have that same um, trait. But what I think is really neat about this is I can actually click on the and, and say, you know what, I want to list this, this NFT, but I want to list it by the price of the top trait. And what you can also do on this blur.io is not only can I list on Blur, but I can list on OpenSea, I can list on Looks Rare, and I can list on X, uh, X2Y2, all with one click of one button. And so what I think this means from a, like a much bigger macro level is that we, we have to start thinking about our NFTs in a much, a much more granular look than just diamond hands and paper hands. Like almost like diamond hand and paper hands is like kind of like the, that's like, well, like, okay, there's two kinds of people. There's people that are selling their NFTs and there's people that are holding their NFTs. But let's let's face it, for many of us, I know many of you that, you that are listening, you're like, Brian, I'm not really a degen, but I'm also not really diamond handing everything, right? Or some people are like, Brian, I hold on to some projects that I like for a couple months, but then I'm not someone that's gonna hold on to it and ride it back down to zero. And so one of the things I think Blur has taught me, like now that I've you know, been into the, uh, into the platform a little bit, playing around, is that there is a need for us to satisfy both the sellers, the buyers, but doing it in a, in a way that reaches all kinds of ways of doing things, right? Because I will tell you, somebody that, that you know, bought five or six NFTs a couple months ago you know, is kind of active in the Discord, they're not going to really care about Blur at the moment. But I will tell you, one of the things that you will care about, you know, down the road is, you know what? I have an NFT that has like a Kobe jersey, right? I'm going to use Crypto Dads as my example because, uh, you know, I was talking about Crypto Dads earlier, right? I have a I have a Crypto Dad, and one of the traits is the basketball jersey. Um, I refer to it as the Kobe jersey because it's purple and yellow, and uh, it has number 24 on it, of course. Um, but the the beauty of this is I can actually click on that Crypto Dad, and then click on that trait and list it by the top trait. So it'll give me the price of the top trait. The other thing that Blur does that I think is really interesting is that they also allow you to auto-adjust based on fees. Now, the whole fee thing, royalty fees, uh, you know, and you know, and even marketplace fees has been a giant discussion in this space for a good while, right? How much, you know, how much should we be giving in royalty fees back to the creators? How much are these different marketplaces taking from a percentage? Now, I will tell you, Blur uh, announced that you know, they, I think they had eleven million dollar uh, uh, round of funding uh, in January that they raised. Um, it is a group of ten people. I believe seven of them are MIT engineers that had worked together on a couple other previous tools that um, they had sold over the years. And the interface itself, I think, is really just really done really well. And, and I like the idea that I can say auto-adjust for fees. So I, if I want to list and say, you know, like my goal is to make this amount of money profit from selling this NFT, it actually will say, okay, you know, we know that the royalty fee here is, you know, is this amount, but you have to also include the marketplace fees. Now, Blur currently has no fees. So of course, theirs is definitely going to be uh, a little different. But so like I have it up right now where if I'm listing this at on OpenSea and on Blur, OpenSea, of course, charges 2.5%. I will just tell you this. This will be another prediction of mine. Uh, by January 1st, my, my prediction is that marketplace fee will be less than 1%. 
I believe it'll be a 0.75%. Um, it's ridiculous that they've been getting away with 2.5% for, for this long, in, in my personal opinion. Um, just from a, a marketplace perspective, it's what's driven a lot of these projects to build their own marketplace on their own um, different, uh, you know, di different, uh, you know, websites and inside of their own different realms. But if we take a, another step at looking at what um, what I think, you know, Blur meant for the, you know, for the community, there was something else that they did that I thought was really interesting. Rather than just doing an airdrop where you get a certain amount of tokens, what they did is they said, based on the volume of trade that you've done in the last six months on OpenSea, we're going to give you these care packages that you can reveal. Now, why do I think this is important is because in the past, we've, we've, we've kind of blurred the line between crypto co coins and tokens and then NFTs and NFT royalties or NFT kind of uh, benefits. And what I think they did really well was, you know, it's easy for us to say like, okay, hey, I got, you know, I, you know I'm trying to think which one uh, what, would I kind of tie it back to, right? So if I'm looking... I'm looking at my, uh, you know, MetaMask wallet right now, you know, from, you know, previous, you know, assets and things that we had um, in the past, you know, when we got certain drops, like the gas drop uh, that we got a while back, it was all about like, you know, the individual number of tokens that you have. But I think there's something beautiful about taking away like individual numbers and doing it at a more kind of a, a, a macro level of what they're doing is called care packages. And so for you know, for everyone that's out there, one of the things that I think is exciting yet also scary for this space is the idea of tokenomics. Because for many people, I will just, and I'm just going to put this out there, I think tokenomics is going to scare off just as many people as it's going to excite in a lot of NFT projects. Because I, just think about it from this standpoint, for you to understand a lot of the tokenomics that are being built. And for those that aren't kind of thinking about the tokenomics, right? This goes to all aspects of it, right? So if you're staking your NFT and you're getting a percentage, you know, per month for for staking your NFT, there's some tokenomics built into that, right? So then you're getting you're getting a coin and then you have to know if there's liquidity behind the coin or what can you what can that token then be used for? So there's like a whole economy that you're kind of building around that. And and most of you know, you know, I have the ADHD coin over on Rally and I will just tell you these two worlds, although we're both playing in Web3, they can base, they can both be very complex and confusing and overwhelming. And I will tell you, there are people in, in my community right now that will tell me that they entered, they entered Web3 because they bought ADHD coin, but now the only thing they really care about are NFTs, and they could care less really about uh, the ADHD coin because it's just something that they're not spending time on, they're not focusing on. And so one of the things that I also like about this blur tool, which is what I think we can also think about as we move forward, is it also does a really good job of giving us a holistic view of everything that we own in each one of our wallets. So what is nice about this is like I just pulled open, I don't even know which wallet this is of mine, um, Okay, so this is not my, it's not a wallet that I use, um, it's not my like main holding wallet, but it's a wallet that, um, you know, I use pretty often. And it has, I have 183 NFTs in that wallet, and it shows me that I have 11 currently listed. It also tells me what the estimated value of those that I have listed. Um, it also gives me a little bit of, you know, it gives me the unrealized PL and it gives me the realized PL uh, around, you know, profit loss in regards to um, my wallet. But I, the thing that I, I really like about what we have to think about in NFTs now is that 
as someone that is minted on all of these different marketplaces, and most of you know, like I've been buying an NFT every single day for a year, and we've minted on over 30 now. We're up to 30 uh, you know, different marketplaces or blockchains um, uh, across the different you know, uh, realms, right? Everything from you know, crypto.com to uh, you know, known origin to wave blockchain to avalanche to, to wax to uh, you know, super rare, whatever that may be. And I will tell you, the more that we get excited about the different blockchain technology, the more we have to recognize that we have to communicate with people a little bit differently and we have to present data a little bit differently, but we also have to give people a view of everything they have going on, right? And, and this is something that I think, you know, in the offline space has always been, been missing because I will tell you, I have an entire... Uh, storage unit of baseball cards and Wheaties boxes that I've collected for many, many years. I have zero idea of what the value of any of them are worth or even how I would go about selling most of those things. And if we think about digitally, one of the things that's really nice about being able to look at this whole landscape is people do want to know like, okay, what, how much skin do I have in the game? Or what are the total other, you know, kind of things that are, are, are valuable? Like how many of each project do I have? Right? Like that's a, that's a weird one, right? Like I, I'll challenge everybody right now. Like, do you know how many, if you, could you tell me how many of each project that you own, right? And I know for some people you only own one NFT in each project, which is perfectly fine. But for me, there's a lot of projects where I own, you know, upwards of five, six, seven, you know, in some cases, 14, 15, 16 uh, NFTs in one collection. But I couldn't tell you how many of them were listed versus not listed. I couldn't tell you how many, you know, what is that, you know, total floor value of all of the ones I have until what Blur is providing. So I look at Blur as kind of a, it's gem plus OpenSea plus nerds, uh, you know, kind of like in that realm of, of bringing them all together. But with all of that being said, what I think is most important for us to think about, and it kind of ties into the Crypto Dads conversation, but it also ties into uh, the conversation around, you know, we have to really, we have to shift our strategy now to thinking about that if every NFT project is unique, so is the 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 type of, of holders that we have. And so some holders are going to care about the floor price, some are not. Some holders are going to want to do the three by three by three strategy that I talked about, uh, you know, many times on this podcast. And they're gonna they're gonna want to flip one of their NFTs to cover their total, you know, cost of the the three that they bought, so that they could technically be free rolling. And the idea that we should be empowering people to be able to operate for what is best for them is something that I really am excited about because the days of cell shaming should be behind us. The days of, you know, kind of guilting people into holding their NFTs or, you know, making people, it's so hard to get rid of your NFT. Like those are the things that I think were made sense early on. But I think as we move forward, I'm excited to see tools and opportunities for us to market, sell, and communicate creatively with all of our community. Now, this can also include if you are an artist, right? Maybe you're an artist um, and you're wanting to, you know, sell your own collection. One of the things that you want to start factoring in is, you know, is there a value for someone holding more than one of your art pieces? Now, that value might just simply be if they believe that the art is going to increase in value over time, they can hold on to two of them keep one of them no matter what. And then whenever they, you know, they think the price has gone up to a point where they can, you know, recoup their costs, they can sell the second one. 
there's also the option of, you know, what does it mean to hold an entire collection of a project, right? Like, how do we how do we prove that? How do we snapshot that? And you know, I'll, I for one, you know, we have our our seventh and eighth drop uh, for our AI art uh, tomorrow morning at eleven eleven a.m. Or actually, for the podcast, it'll be today. Um, so on Friday at eleven eleven, we are going to drop you know our next two pieces uh, in our collection. And and what I've told everybody is that. You know, if you hold any one of the 11 for the 11 drops, you are going to get the 12th drop for, you'll be able to claim the 12th drop for free. You're going to get uh, the 12th piece, um, which will not be for sale. It'll be only eligible uh, for those that hold one of those first 11. I've also made it known that if you hold one of each of the drops, that I have something special that I've been working on um, for those that are holding kind of multiples across the board. But one of the things that I think is missing in a bigger picture view of the NFT space is how do we kind of, you know, beyond just giving someone a role in the Discord and giving them a different color, how do we start to like, you know, celebrate, reward, incentivize, motivate uh, people to kind of go beyond? And it can't be just that price value, right? And so I think part of it comes into things like the roles that you saw that, you know, with the crypto dads. Now, you know, people went from being on a social council from a day one holder to now they're coming into leadership role where they're now, you know, co-owners of that collection. And I think we're going to start to see that even within some art pieces. And it's really what Nifty Gateway is doing in a way where they're allowing us to curate different people to launch under our storefront on Nifty Gateway. And I don't have to have a percentage of anyone that launches on our storefront, but I can I can have a percentage, right? And I can then, you know, we're, we're kind of, all of us are kind of moving forward in one kind of fell swoop. And so to me, a lot of this is how do we organize the noise? How do we filter not only what is going on, but how do we reach people and allow them to be their, their true selves when it comes to, you know, everything, uh, you know, everything, uh, you know, NFTs, everything Web3. Now, one of the cool things that we're doing as we count down uh, to 365 is we teamed up with Zealous. Uh, and for those that are familiar, you know, Gregarious was on our podcast uh, a couple of months ago. But there's a tweet. Um, we'll have the link in the show notes that you can just simply retweet. And we're going to give away 30 of the uh, the creator passes for uh, the Zealous product. And I will tell you, Zealous tool itself is going to give us you know, access to organizing conversations around Twitter spaces, podcasts, and video that I also feel is missing. And I, I think if you look at Zealous, you look at what Blur.io uh, launched, both of them are taking an approach to saying, okay, we understand that like Twitter spaces are valuable. We understand that buying and selling NFTs are valuable, but we have to be able to present that information differently people to kind of customize it, you know, aggregate it, go back and forth and kind of almost, you know, build out their own individual um, kind of experience. And so for those that are here in the, uh, in the Twitter space listening live, I, I pinned the tweet up to the nest uh, up at the top. So you can just simply uh, retweet that tweet that is pinned uh, in the nest. Um, for those that are listening on the podcast, you can just click that uh, link in your, in the show notes. Uh, make sure you do that before uh, November 11th. So before our last day of season one, um, and then you'll be eligible for they'll run a Twitter picker on that last day and and we'll give away uh, 30 of those passes uh, to uh, you know 30 lucky winners and you know I believe the the mint price on those is like a 0.25 uh, eth or around that uh, that amount so uh, really excited to be up you know kind of partnering with zealous as well on this and the last thing I just want to kind of kind of throw this back to where we're at in this space is that you know the beauty of of of, of projects and communities that are willing to adapt, 
is that it also unlocks new perspectives and new opportunities that have might have been felt stale or disconnected or um, kind of uh, dormant um, over the last couple months. And so for me, this is an exciting time because we don't have to reinvent the wheel. I think far too many projects, far too many tools, far too many people are trying to reinvent the wheel from scratch when really what we can do is we can listen, we can learn, we can understand what are the things that are happening today? What are certain things that have gone on? And then let's build on top of that, right? I, I really do look at Web3 and a lot of it has to do with the open source capabilities. A lot of it has to do with the transparency of contracts. Like if you want to, you know, anyone that you know isn't a developer, you can pretty much go into GitHub and you can pretty much copy paste whatever contract, whatever backend uh, information that you want to from just about every single project that is out there. But the beauty of that is what we should be doing on that is we should be, you know, we can copy paste, we can take that and then we can add on to it. Right. And then we're all building, you know, on this journey together. And so hopefully, you know, I, and I will say that even with this podcast, right, I know there's there's some podcasters that are, have their own podcast right now. And a lot of it started by they listened to this podcast. They realized that they wanted to launch their own podcast and found their own lane in this space. And I'm, for one, and I want to celebrate every podcaster, every content creator that is in Web3 because we need more of you. We need more people focusing on education. We need more people celebrating good people and, and good things that are happening in this space. And if you look at it, look at it in all of the other industries that are, that are, that are thriving right now. It's not about you know um, us having a land grab and us feeling like we're better than someone else. It's about what can we learn together? How can we grow together? And then what are the things that we can do to kind of add in there and kind of fill in with what we think the gaps are or where the overlaps are? And so for all those that are building, all those that are willing to push things out there and, and kind of grow on top of each other, I, I salute you. Uh, for all those that are being petty, uh, all those that are, you know, you know, worried about people like Beanie coming back into this space. To me, you know, the accountability has to be something we, we hold strong to, but we also can't spend our time giving energy and attention to negative and bad actors. That's what they want in the first place. So I will challenge all of us, when you go to, to, to bad mouth or to go sit in a Twitter space where someone's talking, you know, negative about someone or some project, what if you decided to jump out of that and jump into a smaller space or a smaller project that is doing great things and you celebrated that and you gave them your time and attention? How much better would this space be if we stopped giving a lot of that energy and that, uh, that attention to things that just, you know, that's really the, what they're trying to get from us in the first place. So with that being said, my friends, we are getting closer and closer to that November 11th uh, date. I appreciate everybody sharing out the podcast, um, you know, on all your favorite uh, podcasting channels. Uh, it's really the only ask that I have, right? I, you don't have to pay to listen to this podcast. You don't have to own an NFT. You don't have to hold ADHD coin. You don't have to buy my AI art. Uh, really, the only ask I have is that if you could share this out with a friend, a family member, post it in your favorite Discord, whatever your favorite episode was, uh, and let people know about what we're creating, what we're building here. Um, the end of season one is not the end of, of what we're building. This is just all the beginning. Uh, and you know what we're doing is hopefully... Uh, you know, making an impact each and every day, 365 days a year. And we're going to continue doing that. And it, it wouldn't be possible without your help and without you celebrating it and putting it out there for everyone. So until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers. 
The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365.